This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. We all remember what happened in Strathroy uh, a while ago with uh, Aaron Driver and, of course, uh, the uh, domestic terrorist uh, on a plan to uh, do damage in London. And, uh, of course, the takedown by police, uh, which stopped the event from happening. You might remember the story, of course, where they had uh, arrived or staked out uh, the home where Aaron Driver was living, uh, that of his sisters in Strathroy. And a taxi pulls up to, uh, I guess, take Aaron to a mall where it looked like that's where he was going to do the damage. And, uh, of course, the taxi driver drives right into the middle of all of this and pulls right up into uh, Aaron Driver's driveway. And the next thing you know, he is part of uh, an incredibly dangerous uh, takedown. Uh, We have that taxi driver with you, or with uh, that taxi driver with us right now on the show. Uh, Terry Dufield is with us and was the taxi driver that was waiting to take Aaron Driver to the mall. Good afternoon, Terry. How are you today? Good. I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, first of all, in the days and such passing this event, how have you been? How's your health? Uh, did you sustain any injury in the actual attack? And and what's life been like for you after this event? Uh, in the uh, event of it itself, um, I was I had some uh, lacerations basically on my forearm, and I had some welts up my side. And as for myself, the head's still doing a million miles an hour. I have talked to so much media, which I am grateful for that everybody came forth and was willing to hear my side of the story. And um, before this happened, I was on zero medications except for a baby aspirin. And now I'm on Percocet, anxiety medication, anti-inflammatories. It's just uh, it's a total 360 to what I was used to living. What uh, what has life been like for you since then? Are, are you have you been obviously traumatized by this? Uh, uh, can you sleep? Are you thinking about it? Uh, how how has it affected uh, your life in in the weeks since or sin, uh, since the, the event happened? Uh, sleeping isn't all that great. Um, I've just been dealing with a lot of media trying to let everybody know exactly my point of view, what happened that day. And everybody's always asking me, are you going back to taxi driving? Which I'm probably not going to because now anybody that gets in my cab with a bag or anything like that is just going to make me relive the events all over again. And I'm not sure that I want to put myself through that. So tell us what happened. What's your version of the story? Um, I was able to drive down Park Street that day, unstopped by any officer, unmarked car or marked. Um, nobody tried to divert my cab in a different direction. Um, the officers never called my cab company to say that there was something going on in the area at this time. Do not send any cab drivers. Um, I was able to pull into that driveway, sit there for about five minutes, wait for the gentleman. He came out, walked through, uh, across the front of my car, down the side, got in the back seat. Um, we were able to have a little quick conversation as to where we were going, which the intended destination was the gallery in London. I told him the fare had to be paid up front. He paid the fare up front. I put that in my money pouch, and as I put the, I started the car and put it in reverse, I heard stop. At that point, I immediately stopped because... Not knowing the situation that I was already in, 
I thought I was about to hit a guy walking his dog or something. Mm. So I, I immediately stopped, looked in my rearview mirror, and that's when I seen all of these cops with guns drawn coming up at the back of my car. And I just kind of said to myself, it's the cops. Kind of confused, couldn't understand why this was going on all of a sudden. Yeah. And as I looked over at the passenger door, that my cigarettes were there, and I figured I'm going to have a smoke while these officers are chatting with this guy or take him away or whatever they're going to do. And as I leaned over to grab those cigarettes, it was the, that's when the gentleman set the bomb off. And it was the seat and the cigarettes, literally, that saved my life. So, uh, so when the police were, uh, take us through that portion of the story when the police were approaching the car. Uh, did uh, you stop the car? Did you put the car in park? Did they start to address uh, Aaron Driver in the seat? H- how, what were the sequence of events there? Um, after the bomb went off, um, like I, I was turtled. Well, wait on a second. No, uh, hang, hang on a sec. Just before the before the bomb went off, when the the police were actually approaching the car, and you said it's the cops. Then what happened after that? Did did they approach him and, and talk to him? Were there any words exchanged? Um, I'm not. I don't think there was any words exchanged because it was within probably five seconds of me saying it's the cops. Yeah. Went to grab that cigarette package and off went the bomb. So, uh, so the bomb goes off in the um, in the back of your cab. You're are, are you like lying down on the front seat or bent over yeah. the front seat? No, I'm like kind of laying turtled on the front seat, wondering what the hell's going on, and I was just yelling. I'm only the driver, hoping that the officers would hear me. And uh, then the cab just filled up with all kinds of smoke. There was debris kind of floating in the air. I couldn't see what was going on outside the cab. I could just hear a whole lot of commotion. I could hear some officer yelling, hands out, hands out. And I thought they were talking to me because I thought they had already got the guy out of the back seat. And um, as I put my hands out the door, I basically got my butt off the driver's seat and did a nosedive into the gravel, literally spread eagle. I didn't want the cops thinking that I was Right. Any part of it, or I was trying to do something. I just wanted them to know that I'm clean. I'm only the driver. Right. And did you go out the driver's side door? Yeah, I went out the driver's side door, and as I was laying in the gravel, that's when I heard an officer from across the street say he's still twitching. That's when I heard four or five more shots, and then it was complete silence. After probably, I'm going to guess, a minute, of laying in the gravel, that's when one of the officers that I was looking at, he uh, said, driver, stay low, stay low to the ground, and come over to me. That's what I did. I proceeded to follow his directions behind him, went to another officer. They put me into an SUV that was a canine unit, told me to get some air conditioning, some air. Um, that only lasted a few seconds, got out of and um, somebody else escorted me over to the ambulance where they took care of my forearm. So um, when uh, you reach for the cigarettes, that's when the bomb exploded. Uh, uh, you dove out of the car. Uh, no, I didn't dive out of the car. I kind of. It was very slow. Out of the okay, so you go out the the passenger or sorry the driver's side door as, after the bomb has gone off. You did. Were there any shots prior to that, or the shots were after the bomb went off? 
the only shots that I'm aware of are after the bomb went off. They right. said there were shots fired previous. Yeah. I do not know because the papers state that they don't know if it was the shrapnel that took the gentleman out or if it was the cop's shots. Right. But in my opinion, if he's on the other side and he's laying on the ground and he's still twitching, yeah. he, he was still alive at that point. Yeah. Uh, so what? your injuries, you, you just sustained lacerations, that was it? Yeah, my forearm looked like somebody had taken a razor blade to it. Like looked like about a hundred cuts down my forearm and uh, a bunch of welts about quarter size up my left hand side. And other than that, just the trauma of everything going on. But physical injuries—that was it. You know, we've all seen the pictures of inside your cab and even the scorch marks on the dash on the dashboard. It, it, it's amazing you won't you weren't more seriously injured from the bomb blast itself. Oh, I totally agree, because all I was wearing was a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. Well, you would have needed a flak jacket, I think, for that. Um, what, uh, what was the reaction uh, from police once you were in the ambulance? What happened after that? Uh, they just questioned me. Once they questioned me, I was free to go. Um, at the time that I was in the ambulance, it was the ambulance gentleman that had called my dispatch and explained that what basically had happened very quickly, and it was my boss's son that came down to the site. He was questioned, obviously, and then he drove me back to the cab office where I obtained my own car and drove back home. And then later that evening, two officers showed up to my door and said they were basically sent by the bomb squad to take me to the hospital to check for internal injuries. And uh, both officers basically escorted me to the hospital, stayed through the full physical, and then they drove me back home. Wow. So why wasn't that done earlier? So you didn't go to the hospital right after this incident? No, the EMT uh, cleaned up my arm, and um, I answered some questions with an RCMP officer, and basically they said, you're free to go. What questions did they ask you? Oh, just if there was anything said inside the cab, um, basically what went on, after the gentleman had gotten the cab, they were more curious on what went on inside the cab previous to the bomb, in my opinion. And anything unusual out of that exchange uh, before all of this happened? Uh, no, not at, there was nothing strange at all. I had picked up this gentleman on previous occasions to drive him to work. He was a very self-contained person. He never really got into conversation he was just a quiet individual. He never caused us any problems. He always paid his fare. And for me, it was just like picking him up on another day going to London. So you weren't suspicious in any way? There was no odd feeling about him getting into your cab that day? Absolutely none. It was just like another normal pickup. I didn't see any officers around at the time of pulling in the driveway. No unmarked vehicles, no SWAT vehicles. Absolutely nothing to let me know that there might be something going on in that area. And you had you had driven this guy around before? Yes, I had picked him up on previous occasions. Um, I don't know how many times, but I can admit that I had picked him up on previous occasions with absolutely no concerns. Hmm. Uh, and where were you driving him to work when you would take him? I was driving him to uh, Meridian. He used to work at Meridian on Wright Street here in Stratford. And now, have police talked to you since uh, that uh, last situation when they took you to the hospital? 
Um, two days later, they uh, we had arranged an interview down at the um, Strathroy Police Detachment here in Strathroy. Uh, two officers brought me into a room where it was videotaped and recorded, and they basically asked me the same questions that everybody else wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the events of that day and what was said in that cab, did he give you any other areas that he might be going to? And there was nothing that I could really help them out with because we never really had a conversation. But in that same interview, after they had questioned me, I told them that I had a question for them. And that was, who, in all of this, who did not take my life into consideration? Why was my life put in jeopardy over this? And I, till this day, still have not received a solid answer. Did they, what did they say to you? Uh, there was a pause, and then it was don't know, and then it was still under investigation. Hmm. So, uh, obviously, people have heard your reports and, and what you've said and so on and so forth. Uh, obviously, police won't comment on, on any of this while this is all in a, under investigation. Uh, but experts have said that situations like this are really fluid. Uh, they didn't know you were coming into the picture, or, or, nor what was going to transpire afterwards. Can you see their side of this at all? Um, yes and no, only because it only took one officer to call the cab company and ask if there, any cabs had gone to this address that day, or was there any arrangements to pick up anybody at that address, or for the simple fact, if you get a call from this address, call this officer. So y- your point was they saw your cab in the driveway, they should have called your cab company and found out why you were there and where you were going. Well, not only that, it's not that they've seen my cab. Once they've seen my cab and I've been sitting there for five minutes, I'm sure that somebody could have come up officer-wise, SWAT team-wise, and removed me from that car. I don't know what would have transpired if that had have happened. Well, it, I'm it, sure they could have stopped me or something before I even got to the address. Yeah, I, and I, re- I remember somebody saying that if somebody, if he had seen that from inside, then your life, every police's life, and everyone's life would have been in danger. Any thought to that? Um, no. I I just try and think about the the events as yeah. they were, um, mm-hmm. not what could have been. Yeah. So how are how are you handling with this? How are you dealing with dealing with this? Uh, uh, have you thought to talk about any to anybody about some of the stress that you've obviously been under? I mean, this is you know this is quite a traumatic experience. Uh, are you thinking of perhaps talking to somebody? Do you think that might be a good idea just to to prevent something in the future? I think it's a great idea. I have already spoke with one lady for about an hour about the situation, mm-hmm. and I've gone to the hospital four or five times now since the incident for anxiety, back pain. Um, I'm going to continue to talk with this lady since she makes it, the situation very comfortable to talk to her about. Good for you. I'm I'm just going to see where where it goes from there. That's about the the best thing that I can do for myself at this point, as far as I'm concerned. 
And, and don't forget to look after yourself in this, Terry. Uh, and again, you've been through an incredible experience. Uh, good for you for reaching out that way. Terry Duffield's been with us, taxi driver, who, of course, uh, was in the cab when Aaron Driver uh, detonated, de- detonated the bomb in Strathroy. And, uh, of course, uh, Aaron Driver dead. Terry Duffield luckily escaping with, uh, with minor injuries, other than, of course, uh, the traumatic stress that one would engage after living through uh, such a thing. Terry, thank you very much for uh, telling us your story, and take care of yourself. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Have a great day. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. What are you, your thoughts on the penalty that uh, the Burlington Skywalker has received, that being trespassing? That enough? 76% of you are saying no. Uh, let's bring in OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt. 21-year-old Daredevil has been charged after two, after a video was posted on YouTube showing the man walking across the top of the Burlington Skyway. This was just nuts. And uh, Kerry Schmidt, OPP Sergeant, with us now. Hello, Kerry. How are you today? Well, not too bad. Thank you. It's, uh, it's a beautiful day. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it was nuts. And uh, that video is uh Unbelievable. And you know, Carrie, considering what we just talked about earlier on this week, you must just shake your head. Well, it it could have gone so much uh, more badly with uh, <laughs> with the outcome. Uh, you know, middle of, uh, middle of uh, sunrise, uh, dew on the steel. If it was slippery, if he would have lost his footing, if he would have fallen and lost his balance, or had a gust of wind, or had a se- seagull come and uh, swooped around him, uh, he could have easily fallen down, and that would have just been a complete disaster. A tragedy, uh, in additional, maybe more than just one, uh, depending if he would have fallen onto uh, a vehicle or a person uh, down below. Yeah, I mean, there could have been so much other collateral incidents that happened just simply with him falling. Uh, what were the chain of events? How did this happen? How did you hear about it? Well, we actually got a call from a member of the public that was driving along the Skyway, and, uh, you know, I'm sure people, a lot of people have seen that video. And, uh, you know, he gets out and starts walking uh, along a construction access point. And, and jumps up, and, and people are start calling 911 to report a person on the bridge, and we take that as a as a emergency, a crisis, and uh, respond immediately to that location. Uh, it took us a while to locate the person. Uh, we got him on the cameras and and saw him uh, scaling the uh, the bridge and then uh, descending as well, uh, and uh, finally got him uh, detained and under arrest, and trying to figure out what he's doing up there and you know, if he's just out there for a thrill. It's just irresponsible, incredible that uh, he would make a make a choice to put not only himself at risk, although he may not he may think otherwise, but uh, everybody else below at risk, including emergency responders who are now blocking uh, a major expressway of the QEW, waiting for uh, this uh, this uh, person to uh, come down and, um, and and clear the scene. Like it's it's amazing that. Uh, he thinks about himself only and, and not about everything else that's happening around him. Imagine had we been on the Skyway uh, looking for him with our lights and vehicles everywhere, and all of a sudden someone uh, isn't paying attention and, and all yeah. of a sudden slams into the back of a transport truck yeah. or causes a collision, all because of some fool on top of the bridge. How long did this whole incident take for you to get it under control? You know, actually, to be honest with you, I don't know how long it took. It was The call came in just after around 6 o'clock in the morning on uh, the Tuesday, August 2nd. And uh, I really don't know how long it took for him to scale down and uh, try to make his escape before we got him uh, into custody. It kind of looked like he knew what he was doing, Kerry. 
Like, he well, seemed quite comfortable up there, or just nuts. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak uh, for him. Uh, that was him doing it, and that's his video. And, uh, but uh, irregardless, uh, he's up on a bridge on a public road, public space, uh, that is used by hundreds of thousands of people every day. And uh, the threat of closing that highway will cripple the uh, infrastructure and the traffic around it. And we saw that happen uh, a few days earlier on a different situation. So, you know, having to close a major thoroughfare because of one person's actions uh, is, is unbelievable. Uh, so he's, what is he charged with? So he was charged on the day of the uh, event uh, with trespassing and being uh, a pedestrian on a highway or being someplace where he's prohibited. So uh, two relatively uh, uh, minor or Highway Traffic Act offenses and, and Trespass to Property Act offenses, uh, nothing criminal that he was charged with, but uh, so you know, those... that was up to, up to the investigators at the time. But he certainly could have been charged with uh, other offenses uh, depending on on the investigation. So I don't want to speak for the investigators. They did what uh, mm-hmm. what they thought was uh, appropriate with what they knew at the time, and uh, and that was the outcome. Could that change now, Carrie, that this video has surfaced? Because obviously this happened back on August 2nd. This video just seems to have surfaced in the last few uh, couple of days. Yeah, I guess uh, it certainly it could, not saying that it will. But, uh, you know, we are certainly aware of the video. We've, we've seen the contents of it. And, uh, you know, for us as the OPP, public safety is our number one priority. We want to get whatever the threat, whatever the issue is, uh, resolved as quickly as possible so we can get the movement of traffic, uh, uh, again, moving as, as quickly as we possibly can, uh, keeping in mind that uh, that highway is used by so many other folks, you know, every single day. So, what is the penalty for the charges that he was uh, that he was given? Are, are those are those like tickets, basically? Yeah, they're they're uh, tickets, uh, part one offenses. Uh, he'd be given a ticket. He does not have a court date unless he chooses to contest uh, the fines. Uh, I don't have the exact uh, penalties in front of me here, mm-hmm. but they're they're minor, uh, small smaller fines, a uh, hundred dollars or less. And yeah, that's uh, that's just the the set fine that's set by uh, by statute. And if he wants to contest it, he can uh, choose to go before Justice of the Peace and uh, and plead his case. Obviously, this person's doing it for the thrill, got the camera, obviously wants it well documented, uh, puts it on YouTube. Are you worried that people are going to, all of a sudden, you're going to have to deal with people in situations like this? Absolutely. Copycat uh, people, they see an opportunity, they see what happened here, and they say, well, I I can do that. Why not, right? And let's let's go check it out. I want to see it for myself, and, and that's exactly what we don't want to see. And we don't want to make this. Uh, uh, we don't want to exploit this and then sensationalize it, and then have other people uh, try that as well. So I'm even hesitant talking about it. Yeah. But uh, because it uh, if it spawns copycats, yeah. that is that's going to be a huge issue, and, and we'll be talking about that when we're dealing with fatality with someone with a bunch of GoPros attached to their chest uh, that's at the bottom of the Skyway or any other structure that uh, is being uh, used for some sort of thrill, notoriety, that uh, is really irresponsible and inappropriate at all levels. Is this still being investigated, Carrie? Could there still be further charges? Well, I I don't know. That's up to uh, our regional support uh, crime units and investigators. Uh, Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm not aware of any follow-up or continuing investigations that are going, but we're certainly going to keep an eye on it and uh, and mitigate it and try to... Uh, reduce the chances of this ever happening again by uh, 
talking to the uh, the Port Authority and, and the MTO regarding what can be done to prevent uh, these types of acts of, uh, of of mischief, really. OPP Sergeant Kerry Schmidt has been with us, of course, talking about the 21-year-old who uh, went up on the Skyway with a GoPro, and uh, what more can you say other than that? Kerry, uh, as always, thanks for the time. Stay safe. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's bring in Dr. Daniela Schreier, clinical psychologist out of Chicago, drschreier.com. She is with us now. Hello, Daniela. How are you today? I am very well. How are you, my dear? I'm doing very well. Great to speak with you again. I'm sure you've seen the video. What are your thoughts uh, when you see something like this? Does it really surprise you? It means, I think, first of all, it's thrill-seeking. It means maybe I'm kind of, that's not my thing, right? I mm-hmm. would obviously be conservative. Life is very precious. But the gentleman is only 21 years old. There's still, I, can't, I think, you know, no impulse control. And the important thing is here, I think, what this generation does different than any other generation, they always have to show off and they put it on social media. And that's how they get caught generally. I think it's not so much maybe the urge to commit the deed, but it's more to let everyone know about it. So is this less about the thrill-seeking aspect, the adrenaline rush of extreme sports? Is it less of this and more about, hey, look at me? I think it's a combination of both. But before, if you could get away with something, right, you kind of, you knew and maybe some people knew that was okay. Mm. But nowadays, it's more of showing off and having others know that you did that and maybe you dared to do it. You bring so I think it's more about, go ahead. You bring up a very valid point, Doctor. In the old days, it would, you know, you would do something, uh, some sort of prank, and a couple of people would be there maybe to, to, to witness it, and then the rest was all spread through rumor and gossip and what happened and people giggling and telling the story after, uh, afterwards, and, and maybe it grew a little bit each time it was told. That's gone now, isn't it? Totally, because there's this need for total exposure. It's like exhibitionism nearly, right? It means everything is good to go on Facebook, even like from breakups to kind of, yeah, um, being uh, walking on, on bridges or, you know, doing anything that is very dangerous to yourself and others. And there's no consideration, actually, how negatively that can impact others. If that's on YouTube, maybe a child, a little child can see it and has no clue and tries to do something very similar that is not that's very dangerous, right? Or, you know, I think where is the thought, if I would fall down from this bridge, granted he's only 21 years old, he thinks he's invincible, but if I would fall down, who is scraping me up and who is paying for it? Mm. Well, you would. You're the taxpayer, right? So, Mm -hmm. incredible. Uh, you know, you said he's 21, thrill seeker, whatever, brain not fully developed. But this isn't bungee jumping, doctor. This is walking up the trusses of a massive Skyway bridge. And, yeah, I mean, and- I mean, you know, when people see people doing that, they think they're going to jump. That's, you know, police rush there thinking it's a crisis. Well, again, he should be charged for all the costs that he created for police and any people there. And he should be charged for all the damages. I think he saw it as, you know what, this is something that I am daring to do and probably said, well, I will show everyone that I can with little thought or little respect for what that actually could do to others or really could do to himself. I think it was really about strapping on the camera and, show every, and showing everybody that, hey, I'm for, up for that. Who joins me or who can actually join my league? And I'm not making excuses for that. All I'm mm-hmm. saying is that he's 21 
So the frontal lobes, our impulse control center is not fully developed. That doesn't justify what he did because no other or most other 21-year-olds don't do that. Um, and we, when I saw the video personally, I got sick, right? Mm. Because why do that to yourself or why stand there and, and um, be unprotected, basically staring death in the face? What does it say about the individual? Is it as, as shallow as we're making it sound, or is it a sign of, boy, there's a greater need for attention there? Well, there's a great need for attention, and there's someone who, who goes a great length to get it. So that could be dangerous, right? Are we lacking critical thinking? Are we lacking what, you know, the, the, the reaction of our actions? Are, are we thinking beyond the nose on our face? You know, you were talking about, let alone injury to this, to this person himself, but if he had landed on a car, created another accident, people looking at him get in an accident, emergency workers hurt in some way. As you said, there's so many other collateral situations that, that, that could have caused injury. Uh, does he just not think to that extent? I think it was a very selfish act, right? Not thinking beyond ourselves. And I think that is more and more common nowadays because when people are connected in social media, in my opinion, it's not a real connection. You're not having to care for another person or to really think about their feelings or what they might go through. It's about posting something. And so we are getting more and more disconnected. And I think the younger generation, or maybe this gentleman, I have never assessed him, seeks to be connected through showing that he is willing to go to an um, outrageous length to get attention. Or maybe he just wanted to be out there and thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to be discovered. You know, people see what I've done. Maybe they hire me for a stuntman. I'm just making that up. Mm. As we go. Okay. But yeah. Could this, uh, obviously he thinks there's something to be gained from this, otherwise he wouldn't have done it. He thinks that somehow uh, the notoriety, whatever, that, you know, even if he gets in trouble, that the gain is going to outweigh the loss. Uh, luckily he mm-hmm. survived, so he's, he can be happy for that. But could this backfire on him for the future, you know, whether he's getting jobs sure. or whatever? In other words, branding him as irresponsible? Well, sure. It means as irresponsible or maybe for other jobs like, I don't know, investment banker or whatever, where people need to take great risks. Maybe they would say, you know, this is someone that we want out there. He's willing to go to a great length to achieve what he wants. And no insurance, no life insurance company will ever take him on again, right? Hmm. Wow. (laughs) Uh, uh, Very sad, yeah. Uh, I, I was just talking to uh, an OPP sergeant, police sergeant, and they're worried about copycats. What do you think the chance yeah. of that is? That's the problem again, because it was put out there on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. And so now there will be another daredevil who comes along and say, well, you know what? I, too, need to have to street the passage, or I, too, need to join in and maybe show even something more daring than this dude. And that's the problem. Because now there is a competition probably going on. If someone already thought about something like that, he says, well, if this guy can do that, now let me show you what I am doing. And so it's always, you know, who can do better or more, even in a negative sense. I think a couple of things, and certainly stuff like that might have happened before, not to that dimension, but where are our family values at times, or where do people learn not believing the family, but where do people learn that, you know what, there are certain things that you don't do, 
And if you would ever do them, please don't film them and put them on YouTube. <laughs> there is that sense of being private about stuff. There is that sense of what is okay and what is not okay and the value of your own life and your own health. Can you imagine he would have actually fallen mm. and he might now be, you know, needing permanent care? Who would give that care? It's the family and the insurance company and the, and, and the doctors. So really thinking beyond something. And when you're 21, it means you should think probably about college or your first, your first um, job. You shouldn't think about, sorry to be so judgmental, walking bridges and filming yourself. It's, well, again, as we've talked about many times, it's about obtaining your 15 minutes of fame. It's about getting those hits. It's about getting those likes. Will that pendulum swing back, doctor? You mean if things and times will change again? Yeah, I mean, I, will, will, we, will I, we realize how shallow and surface this really is? Or is this about giving the everyday person a chance to express themselves the way only some of us get? Well, the everyday person is, for example, my internist who goes to work every day at 5 o'clock in the morning and, you know, who says there are no shortcuts. And, you know, being a doctor is, is, is tough. It's not an easy job. That's the fame that we should actually celebrate, not someone climbing a bridge and being silly about it. So I think what has to change is actually what we value in our society. I mean, we're looking so much towards reality uh, shows or people who have really not so much to, to give other than maybe some external beauty, which is great, and then some, some crazy behavior patterns that we watch in reality shows, right? So I do think it's a reflection of, of maybe the deeper need of society to step back and say, what is really needed or what are values that we want to market? It's not 15 minutes of fame. You know that, right? I mean, you're on mm. the air every day mm. um, because you still have to be able to live your life every day. And that's much more hard or harder than getting 10 or 15 minutes of fame. And I think that's something to think about and talk about values, what the family or the wider society instills in, in this guy. And I have many um, young people right now in their 20s and 30s, and we are talking about Facebook and social media all the time. And many of them actually taking a break or many of them say, well, you know what, I'm going now there maybe once a week instead of before every day because it didn't do me any good. It doesn't really bring anything. It's always a comparison. People always one up another and I really don't need to be there. So I hope over time that people will learn to integrate social media and use it in a positive way, but not, not live through it. And I think this is the, the passage that we are at. Well said. How how do you think this person is feeling today? Uh, do you think they've? Uh, do you think they're uh, gloating in the in 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 the accolade in the notoriety that they're getting, or do you think they're feeling a little sheepish about what they've done? Sure. You know what? I've never assessed the young man. I've never spoken to him, so I don't want to be unfair to him either, right? Mm -hmm. But I would say this: I do think that he had wanted to do that for a long time. He had thought that through. He didn't seem scared while he was doing it. At mm. least it means I got scared when I was watching it, right? But he walked and did what he wanted. And maybe that's for him a personal accomplishment. On top of that, it means it was something that was against the law. And I hope for him that he became aware of it, the consequences that it could have had for him, for other people, and what terrible situation he brought. He, actually, the local police and, 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 um, uh, first responder, sponsor, sp first responder, sorry, into and his family, and so I hope that he feels sorry about that aspect, and next time thinks thinks through 
not only from what he wants to do or what he thinks he needs to do to show up on social media, but, you know, to be a real hero, I think you have to protect and think about those around you. So Dan- I hope it changes. Daniela, what if this is your kid? What do you say to them? Oh, wow. If this would be my kid, maybe he would have acted out before already, and I think I would have taken the wooden spoon probably at a much younger <laughs> age and would have directed him in a different direction. I am sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, many might be thinking that right now. Uh, Dr. Daniela Schreier is with us, clinical psychologist, drschreier.com to find out more. Daniela, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. And no no bridge climbing. No Bye-bye. way. Not, I get, are you kidding? I get a nosebleed. <laughs> You take care. Have a great weekend. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, we talked earlier on this week about Uber and how they were licensed to uh, arrive in Toronto. Finally, they've they've come to some sort of agreement. And that announcement was made with very little hoopla whatsoever, which was quite surprising. Now we seem to be less interested in uh, uh, the pros and cons of Uber. And now the discussion is... Is it just a car that's showing up to, to get you, or is there actually a driver even involved? To talk more about all of this, Lorraine Sommerfeld is with us, auto writer with Post Media, Motherload column in the spec, and host of the Lemonade Car Show on Rogers TV. Lorraine is with us now. Hello, Lorraine. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Scott? I'm good. What are you driving this week? Um, oh, it's a Shelby Mustang. It's nice. Oh, man. <laughs> what color is it? Red with a white racing stripe. Nice. <laughs> so uh, tell us about this car. What? How, how many horsepower is it? You know what? I don't know. <laughs> Lorraine, I was you come, you come over, you come to the station right now, and you give that car to me. I know. I, I will know, trade so you. Bad. You give, you give that car to me right now. No, it's a six. I've been away. I just got back. So oh. um, 5.2 liter V8. Oh, it's a big one. So yeah. So you're looking at you're looking at. Uh, I, I know it's seventy five thousand dollars. Does that help? Yeah, you're looking at. I think you're looking <laughs> at around five to six hundred horsepower there, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's a noisy one. Um, it's a noisy one. I know. Oh, Lorraine, you. I was wh- away. I was sick and I was away. I ended up in Perry Sound Hospital. Actually, they're awesome up there. Two shouts out to Perry Sound ER. They're Are you there. all right? What happened? Can oh, you tell I'm us? Fine. I'm fine. It was just. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, it'll be in motherload next week. Don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, if it happens, it's a bit in the paper. <laughs> it's, you know, if, if this had happened to my kids, I never would have written it, but it happened to me, so I'll write it. <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, I can't wait to find out what that's all about. <laughs> a week from Monday. <laughs> all right. I'll look for that. Uh, are you sure it isn't you just too excited from driving all these hot cars around? It's been a good summer. I don't usually have that many hot cars. I've had a good So how long do you get this thing for? Well, a week at a time. A week at a time. Yeah, I had a fusion like up north last week. Like you get, it, it's a you get all kinds of cars. I'll be in a, a different fusion next week. Yeah, sport one last week. But yeah, no, it's um, it, it's been a good summer for cars. There's nice. I had a huge big Jaguar to to go back a couple weeks ago. Really? Cool. Yeah. Nice so do you did you go on road trips or do you just drive them around town? Um, it depends if I've got stuff booked for them. Like the Quebec thing was a book gig, heading out into the. Uh, Quebec Cottage with a friend, and uh, right. I'm, I'm supposed to have a Land Rover for that, but we couldn't locate one in time. So couldn't get, couldn't get the sales guy to give his up. No, <laughs> for the weekend. They might have tried that. The press fleet is separate from dealerships. They're different uh. cars. It's the cars you go to a dealer. We don't drive those, so don't worry. You're not. Oh, okay. So do you get do you get these directly from the company? 
Um, they have agencies they use that maintain yeah. the press fleets, and that's who does all the organization and the scheduling for them. So, wow! I, I don't go. To well, the, the next time the Mustang, the next time the Mustang comes around, get my name on that list. Comes around, okay. <laughs> the next time they're next time they're handing the keys to that one out. Yeah, just call them. Bob Cowan's got a good thing going. I know, I know. <laughs> I think he does too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know that I, I told you I went to Canadian Tire Motorsports Park and got a yeah. ride in a Roush Mustang. Oh, nice. Did I tell you that? No. This was uh, the 24th of May weekend before they started, uh, the, the Thursday before the 24th of May weekend, which is when uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, Mossport, opens up their season. Yeah. So they did a thing out there, and uh, I got to go for a ride with uh, some crazy 16-year-old kid who races this Roush Mustang, and they strapped in a, a passenger seat, and they took us for a, a, lap, a lap, and it, and it was lap. unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. That's very cool. Yeah, I can't do hot laps. My stomach just leaves. If I'm not driving, I'm not in the car. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. here's an idea. When you get the hot lap to drive, I'll ride shotgun with okay. you. <laughs> I will put my life in your hands that way. Where were you when I had the Lamborghini three weeks ago? I was in Hamilton. I don't I know. I, obviously, you forgot my number. I gave rides. I t- people came in. I put it up on Twitter. I had so many people come out. I was at really uh, the Sears Center Mall. I was in the parking lot. And you're giving, giving rides. It was rides. so much fun. That's was, hilarious. Yeah, it was like the Batmobile. It was oh, really man. Cool. All right. So let me ask you this on Uber. Are you surprised? Because Uber, we did a thing on this earlier in the week. Uber was licensed in Toronto this week to pretty much no fanfare at all or not much of a brouhaha. Are you surprised about that? I'm not surprised because, A, the time of year, you know the news cycle. No one cares. Everyone's on a dock somewhere yeah. or wishing they were. Or driving their Shelby or something. Or doing that. Um, the other thing with Uber licensing with the city, it's been dragging on for months and months and months and months and months. And the city pretended they were going to put up a fight, but everybody knew they were not going to put up a fight because they're going over like dominoes in a lot of jurisdictions, except Germany, who kicked Uber out and just said, go away. Um, hmm. in Toronto, though, I, I think it was a big charade that they were even pretending they were going to appease the taxi industry. They just were trying to get people not to kill each other over the hot summer months, I swear. How can some people kick them out and other people embrace them? You know what? It depends on... Uh, we're seeing, as they move into their Pittsburgh unveiling with the autonomous stuff, we're, we're seeing... Uh, I, I just wrote a column, like literally just finished it an hour ago, mm-hmm. blasting Uber, because... You can embrace the technology and the change without saying that I embrace the way this company is functioning and acting. Hmm. And it's true. It's like saying to your kid, what you did was bad. It's not that you're bad. And Uber, I get the technology. I'm not an old fogey. I'm not an idiot. I understand. Ford has said, you know, autonomous vehicles by 2021. They're stepping into the breach and saying we're going to do it first. Um, Uber does things, though, and they break rules and laws. They throw out consumer protection. They don't back you up. It's like when you hear Airbnb doesn't give a crap if your house gets trashed. Yeah. It's a, I said, it's storefronts in a spaghetti western. There's nothing behind these places when it comes to consumer protection, and everyone thinks I'm an idiot to say it, and no one cares until they need it. And well, it's sort of the philosophy it. that it's easier to beg forgiveness than ask permission. It's absolutely their philosophy, and I have a problem with that. I don't think it's cool, and it's it, it's not good. It's not good business, and it's not good for us. For that being are, yeah. that being said, Lorraine, I mean, you know, they play the same game in every city, and it's worked in Toronto, like as oh, yeah. it's worked in many cities. I mean, basically, what they've done is they've come up with reg- it's something completely different that there's no regulation to. It doesn't fall under anything, so they've had to create their own or new regulations around it. And 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 really, at the end of the day, is that Uber's issue? Is that their is that their problem? 
Well, the thing is that every industry is seeing like incarnations of this. Yeah, when I started yeah. writing 13 or 14 years ago as a freelancer, the union used to, used to file grievances against me Yeah, because I was a columnist, and you're not supposed to be a freelance columnist with right. two columns in the same paper in a yep. week and stuff. And now that's not even – everyone would just laugh at that now because mm-hmm. the unions have been weakened in some respects. But because the landscape has changed so much – an argument you could have made 10 years ago convincingly right. you wouldn't even think to make today because things are changing and i acknowledge that change is good and it's going to happen what i don't like is when um the, the way uber I, I pick on uber because it's fun yeah um, the way they treat their drivers and their customers alike there's no protections there and they didn't give a crap about insurance until the insurance industry you know, shifted a couple months ago. Yeah, it was pretty much the insurance industry that yeah. that that forged the the regulations. They were well, the first they, one to do anything. They saw a way to make money on a product. They're yeah. not dumb. Yeah, they, they, they want to make money, so they're going to do it. But what I hate is we're evolving into this population or culture that the people don't matter anymore. Jobs yeah. don't matter, and yeah. until they come for your job, nobody seems to care. Yeah. If I want the cheapest thing, I don't care if it's not safe. And I'm like, what if your Uber driver gets hurt on the job? I don't care. I'll get another Uber driver. Yeah. What's this sound like to you? It sounds like turn-of-the-century robber baron crap. Well, we're not even concerned about the driver. We, the cars won't even come with drivers soon. No, and, <laughs> well, the other thing is the rollout they're doing in Pittsburgh, they always said this was their goal. I'll yeah. give them that. They always said we want to have no drivers. They're still running ads, recruiting drivers. They're saying it's a great job. You can make money. They are unceremoniously pitching their drivers. They don't care. They never did. But wait now, a sec. You can't just all of a sudden, whether you're Uber or not, have a car with no... And I mean, obviously with this, they're going to have pilots still in the car. But I mean, it's you know, it's not going to go to a driverless car without some great debate and discussion. Oh, but if you've got Ford saying we're going to be selling these within five years, this is the way the industry is going. Uber knows they need to get there first. And we're seeing partnerships with Volvo and Ford and Uber and Google and Lyft, and like everyone is partnering up together with computers and cars because computer companies don't make cars and car companies don't make computers. Like they have to go, they have to get together. So I, I get that. And what they're doing, though, is, yes, there's going to be still a driver in the car, but it's not an Uber driver. It's an engineer. It's a Mm. highly qualified engineer behind that wheel during this pilot program. Mm. So it's not even that you have a driver. So there's no crossover for employment opportunities or whatever you want to call it. They're just donezo. And, yeah, it's going to happen. The thing can't read bridges. And apparently there's 400 bridges in Pittsburgh, so this should be really interesting. So how big is this announcement? This is a big deal. This is a big deal. We've been waiting for it. We mm-hmm. know. And people are like, well, why did they pit, pit, uh, choose Pittsburgh? Well, CMU is there, which was all the tech. There's a lot of um, – they're hiring all these top engineers and robotic experts away from each other. Google and all, yeah. all these companies are all fighting over the the highest qualified people. So they're all getting poached and they're all moving around. And there's a hotbed right there in Pittsburgh. So it's right next to the tech where it's all being developed. Pittsburgh is a crazy traffic town in a lot of ways. So they can say, hey, it's interesting. If we can make it here, we can make it anywhere. Um, Again, essentially, it's a computer. How many times has your computer blue screened on you or have you had to shut it down and reboot it? I don't want to do that at 60K an hour, hmm. especially with no one behind the wheel, but okay. So, but, but at this point, there's still a driver. It, you know, as long as there is still a driver, what difference does this make to the consumer at all? 
because it's a huge step towards no driver. Right. And right. the other thing is what they're saying is when they've got this fully enabled and they don't need a driver at all, um, that a trip will be cheaper than if you drove yourself in your own car. And I'm who's thinking, paying for that insurance? Well, these are the questions, the legal and because obviously job. Uber drivers, the big question was yeah. that they weren't covered. Well, if there's no one in the driver's seat, who's covered? Well, and I mean, they've also they've teamed up with. Um, it's a it's a breakaway team that auto o t t o who have developed a um, truck driving yeah, yeah uh, I heard about that so the trucks can be on the highways with you know the guy can be sleeping in the back and they're like oh this is great it's like okay so you put another whole sector out of work who's gonna buy the crap in those trucks yeah if you've got all these driving jobs threatened and I'm not trying to go old school I'm just saying why can't we think beyond just currency and uber lines its own pockets it's not there to help hmm. their customers or their employees at all let me Either, ask you this yeah. obviously they came up with the template in toronto and and, and they're going to have to be licensed and the safety checks and the insurance and whatever when does it get to the point where it's not worth it for an uber driver oh it already isn't I am so it, will we see that change things Oh, absolutely. And anyone now who's contemplating using see Uber, they always said, oh, we just wanted people to augment their real job with, you know, because it's social and it's fun and yeah. you can go do it for a few hours a week. So they tried to make it like your after school job when you're in grade 10, right? And your parents <laughs> are still paying the rent. So they're trying to make it look like it's just fun to get you out of the house, uh, you know, and get some beer money. But there's a, because they put all the cab industries out of business in most of the centers they illegally moved into, you've got a lot of taxi drivers, people who did drive for a living, now driving for Uber yeah. under this template with no bottom in it, and they will be out of career jobs, not flipping burger jobs from yeah. grade 10. So they have shifted the whole industry into precariousness, and now they're going to throw even that out the window. And they always said that's what they wanted to do. And so the cities who are going, okay, okay, we figured it out. We can let you come in. Well, get another year. It's not even going to matter because we know now from precedence they set the rules the way they want to. They don't give a crap. Yeah, and, w- so, and, and wait for the rules to form around them. And legislation takes forever. Yeah. And Uber knows that it, they've been told it doesn't matter. You can do whatever we want. All these places, all these cities everywhere are already letting you. The Independent's got an article today in England. They average three sexual assaults a month in the country. Hmm. Really? Like, mm. that's okay with everybody? I know a lot of women who won't get into Uber because they wouldn't get into a car with a strange guy anyway. Would but, they feel, Would they get into a cab? Well, cab drivers are licensed, registered. Yeah. They're not sex offenders, generally speaking. They don't stop mid-murder spree like an Uber driver did to pick somebody up. I mean, the stories are insane. But, you know, you know I mean, and I'll play devil's advocate here, yeah. Lorraine. Um, you know, considering how many Uber rides there are, blah, 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 blah. Is it any more dangerous than anything else or any other? Could we find the same thing about cab drivers or transit drivers or somewhere else somewhere if we dug for those stories? Oh, I, I doubt it. Why is Germany out? Why is uh, Germany out? Because Germany is a smarter kind of place. I I was over there and I'm thinking, man, you want anything done, you let the Germans do it. They're they're crabby about it, but everything happens. (laughs) (laughs) I was over there driving Bentleys. Woohoo! But they, um, no, they, they realized that this industry was thumbing its nose at their laws and everything else, which they value. They put a lot of value on the people that live there and 
their jurisdictions, their laws, that that is a value to them. Everywhere else is going, well, we're ready to throw it under the bus. We don't care. Like, well, Germany, obviously known for engineering, uh, and this is this is something that's kind of invading engineering, isn't it? Um, it's it's kind of it's the cutting edge of engineering. Like it's brilliant. It's the yeah. robotics program. Like my kid was doing this in high school for a couple of years, and it was fascinating. Hmm. And it's taking that, and the application is right here and now in front of us. All the stuff the kids were doing, um, we're seeing it play out. Really, like it's been it's been in the auto industry for years and years and years. Like your car has been made by a robot, and yeah. you know oh, that's yeah. not new. Mm-mm. But our hands onness with it in our own lives a car that would drive itself that's very immediate that's incredibly immediate and i mean what was the last big thing maybe washers and dryers i don't go down the stream with rocks anymore to do laundry when i say i did laundry like i did it (laughs) no machine did it so Uh, when will i be able to to sit there and let a car drive me around when's that coming for says 2021 you can buy one haven't your driveway but now, will I, will, I, will I have to sit behind the wheel? Will there be wow. a steering wheel? These, well, they're saying no steering wheel, no gas pedal, no brake pedal. That's what Ford's saying. Um, then again, we're all driving electric cars, aren't you? <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, that's what Ford is saying. And, I mean, and well, that's what Ford may be saying. You know, as you said, that's what Ford's saying. What's legislation saying? Because at the end of the day, as, as you mentioned, those are private companies that are trying to turn a profit. But there's also uh, municipalities and countries and, and provinces that are going to have to pay for this, especially when something goes wrong. Well, that's the thing. And, some, and stuff will go wrong, and they know it. They've acknowledged that. But you've got laws. You've got insurance. You've, got, you've also got philosophy, and we've talked about this before, which is if I buy a car, is it going to protect me or is it going to mow over the little kid crossing in front of the car if it can't stop in time? Like, who's it going to put in jeopardy? How's it going to make decisions? Yeah. about things like that. That's a way bigger deal. You can't program that in. Or maybe you can, and once you do that, then we're all in a science fiction movie, and this has all been a big experiment. Exactly. And, you know, wake up and see where it went. But, oh, you know, if a school bus with kids is coming at you, does your car save you? Hmm. And I think, I think we spoke because they did a survey, and people, get this, are going, oh, no, that car better protect me. I don't give a crap about the kids. That's right, yeah. Beep, beep, look out. Yeah. Uh, will, will, uh, do we need horns on these cars? Oh, I don't. You know what? I, don't, I just can't imagine Europe. I, I just can't imagine Europe without a horn. Well, no kidding, or <laughs> Toronto or New York. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're design. You see cars now. They're designing futuristic stuff that doesn't seem so futuristic. Where inside the cab, because there doesn't have to be a steering wheel or anything, they've got it like a first class cabin, like all the chairs face. See, I'm for that. I'm <laughs> all for that. Some people are yeah. saying this will re- this will eliminate drinking and driving. Oh, it could. I mean, there's a. You could have a bar in your car. It wouldn't yeah. matter. I mean, there's a great safety upside. If we took human behavior out of the equation, we'd be 94% safer. And the, uh, the number's always around 94 95%. That's collisions or driver error. So wow. if you get rid of the driver, there'd be no more collisions. But it's a computer. They're fallible. And what's the cost when they do go wrong? And more importantly, in our society, who pays? Because it always comes down to who pays. First, and, we assign blame. And, and what happens when something happens like happened to Delta Airlines a while ago that shut their whole system down and grounded all their planes? Uh-huh. What happens then? That's a great question. And that's the kind of questions that people want answered. And, I mean, insurance, if, if this car is perfect, does that mean that Ford will now provide? Yeah. No need for insurance. Like, if I go buy this, is Ford going to say, cool, we got you covered? Or... 
you know, they get That's right. like, like you, gonna, okay. Like you buy the maintenance plan, you get your insurance too. That's not a crazy assumption. No. Like if you're building this car saying it's this much safer and we back it and GM yeah. will be right behind them on this, then that's great. So does that mean, how does the insurance industry address this? Who pays? Uh, somebody always pays. Yeah. And all this nonsense about how something will end up being cheaper is yeah. just that. No. It's nonsense. It's no. never cheaper. We've all been around too, too long. We yeah. know that. We've all we've seen the technological cheaper. revolution to know that we're not working three days a week now. No. no uh, and and our, in our paperless society. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, it's never cheaper. It's never going to be cheaper. It's just who pays. And it's three-card Monty. Uh, Lorraine Sommerfeld is with his auto writer with Post Media, Motherload column in the spec, and apparently the next one's a good one, uh, and host of the Lemonade Car Show on Rogers TV. Lorraine is always... You know what? If this happens, how are you going like, to... Will you have to review a car? Like, if you can't drive it, you're just going to sit there in the passenger seat? You know, ah, it drove me around. It was very nice. No, cold dead hands off a steering wheel, Scott. You know <laughs> <me>. <laughs> All right, Lorraine, have fun with that shtang. Okay. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.